From Bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meets to file reports, make recommendations, and generally lull you to sleep, as we as well sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe. Sorry, I lost track of what I was doing. Oh my god. Hello, everybody. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're stuck down here. How are you? This meeting is now in session. Hello. Hello. For a second there, I thought we were the Queen City ASMR uh, Bureau. That's what I was going for. And then then my brain, uh, I think what happened was I was listening to my own ASMR and I started to fall asleep. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So my mind started to drift because I was lulling myself into like a state of deep relaxation. But now it didn't it didn't work on me. I'm impervious to ASMR. Oh, okay. Um, as, as I as am I. Yeah. I'm lying. I'm very I'm very pervious to ASMR. Obviously, I couldn't even do it when I was doing it. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Should we Should we take attendance? I think we should absolutely take attendance. Okay, you're Paul. Yes, I am. Yes. See, I know now. One of the many Pauls out yes. there in the world. What? Wait a minute, which Paul are you? I'm not saying. That is, a, I, I can't, I can't mark you as present if you don't tell me which Paul you are. Paul to shame. Okay, so I have Paul the Apostle marked out. You're sure. Yes. Okay, Paul the Apostle. Okay. Yep. Paul the Apostle. And that makes me Saint Aidan of Lindisfarne. It does actually. Yeah, yeah. Good old, good old eighth yeah. century Saint Aidan. Yeah. And we have we have a a returning guest. We do indeed. Almost a co-host. Pretty much. <laughs> we have Jack back. <laughs> hey, friends! That's such a nice thing to say. Almost a co-host. <laughs> uh, you, I guess, must have been reading my uh, my diary. Because that is what I've been wishing for. Um, secretly wishing for somebody to just like not not die, but like be injured to the point that maybe they can't be on the radio anymore. And then it's like, we need someone to replace them. <laughs> Let's ask Jack. So, I, I haven't, I have, I don't know if it's Paul or Aiden, but it's there's like been moments where I'm like, maybe someone will just get just. Punched in the throat. Yeah. So, so just like nothing, nothing that would like impact your like, you know, socioeconomic well-being or, but definitely there's been days where I'm like, I could probably do it. Maybe. I'm feeling pretty know. death doorsy today. So <laughs> you know, it'll you be, know, it'll be me. If you're wondering, you, you, know, no. you know what I'm thinking? It's been, it's been a long time since anyone has even applied to be our intern. And we, have so you we do ever had someone apply? Have, or do you seek out interns often? We, we had uh, an intern. We had an intern. I, I don't think he even applied. He just showed up and we, we appointed him. <laughs> uh, his name was, um, well, we called him Sherrod, but I think it was Jared Clark. Oh, Jared Clark. I don't yeah, know, he, Jared, but I know of Jared. He, he, he went on to, um, well, he'd like to think better things, although I, I can't imagine what would be better than being an intern at the QCIB, but you know, well, so, so if you want to apply to be an intern, 
we're we're like like the the, the process is open again so yeah <laughs> feel free I guess that that would maybe be better than like secretly, I guess not so secretly now, uh, wishing for one of your demise. Uh, I'm kidding. I don't wish for either of your demise. That's great because just like two minutes ago, it was like a, a non-threatening injury. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, thank you so much for inviting me back on the show to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff. Mm, yes. Course. Yeah. All kinds of things because so much is going on that we we needed you here. There's too much like too much intellectual heavy lifting is going to be going mm-hmm. on today for too just much, the two of us. We need too much you. incident for just two people. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, happy to be here. So the last time we met, we uh, we spoke with David Fraser, a reporter in mm-hmm. Ottawa, about the situation in Ottawa, and then we took a whole week off and. You know, I didn't think that we would take two, we would have like effectively two weeks of nothing in between that show and now. And there would have just been convoy from beginning to end. It just ended when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. What, like a couple of days ago? Yeah. They rolled out the last truck. There are remnants of convoy-ish behavior. Um, But but yeah, the, the the main force of the convoy has dissipated, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it um, it was it was a fascinating thing to see happen, and I did found you, it. Did you watch the whole live stream, like that one that what like in Regina when there was like the eight hour Facebook live stream? Oh my God! When uh, Lavoie or what's her name? I have no idea. I don't remember. Yeah, Tamara, Tamara Lavoie. Yeah, yeah. When she was and, like, she was yeah. melting down in her car. Yeah, and but did you yeah. did any? Did you watch the full eight yeah. hours? I did not. not. The whole, not the full eight hours, but I watched many hours of it. Wow! Yeah. I, I heard, I just heard bits of the audio, and I saw a little bit of the the live stream. Um, yeah, she she was uh, there. There was, I think, with Donna from I don't from Saskatoon, some woman from Saskatoon who seems to be uh, a Tamara Lavoie stan. And uh, I couldn't tell. I thought they might be related. No, I don't think so. Um, oh, okay. Well, maybe they are, but I mean, I because I, I heard a lot. I was listening to Donna and others on Zello in the run up to the to the occupation slash invasion slash protest or whatever it was. Uh, and Donna Donna was really gung ho. She you could tell she wanted to like get down there, get arrested, um, really make a stand. And she talked about Tamara a lot, as if she knew Tamara. But then said, if anybody has her number please get in touch with her. I'm like, you don't know Tamara at all, do you? You're just, you just don't want to be Donna from Saskatoon. So are you like on Zello then? Uh, I, my, my partner has, has a Z- listens on Zello. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I found this out from a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago who somehow got into a bunch of group, like into a bunch of, you know, of those groups. And he was saying that they sing like Baby Shark, like some of the like convoy like group chats. People just mm. are singing Baby Shark. I I never heard Baby Shark, but I heard a lot of uh, a lot of O Canada and a lot of Ram Ranch. Which yeah. that's really funny, isn't it? It's really like, really funny. And I guess yeah. now because they have to know, but I guess it's just been like accepted. Like maybe it's they're just like we're too far. Like it's like sunk cost fallacy. Like they're like we can't. Right. 
you know, yeah. we can't backtrack on this. We just have to like be fine with it. Yeah. Just, you know, we just have to put up with a Ram Ranch song. Yeah. But you yeah. would hear it. It would come in. Uh, I only listened. I listened for like an afternoon one day and it was like one of the first days when the trolls had moved into the Zello mm-hmm. channel and were playing Ram yeah. Ranch all the time. So they were just figuring out how to try and shut this down. And you would have these moms come on after like a round of Ram Ranch and they would be, and Ram Ranch for anybody who's listening is this really obscene, you, well, it's like, I imagine it's on SoundCloud and stuff, but it's a YouTube song by this Canadian, apparently, mm-hmm. um, artist who, who wrote this long time ago, <clears throat> but it was taken up as the theme of the trolls. And uh, moms would come on and be like, we're listening to this at the dining room table with our children. Yeah. Who are these people playing these, these songs about the homosexuals? Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. I love my, my favorite was then people tried to like weaponize the, the language, the language of, of the woke left and say, Oh, it's homophobia. Um, yeah. This has actually been, just maybe this is a bit of a tangent here, but this has been one of my the most interesting things about this entire bit of nonsense is watching a right wing authoritarian white supremacist group gleefully trying to appropriate the language of the woke left and pretend to be in, in, indigenous at points and so on and so forth, just to try and I think confound and uh, and flood the zone with nonsense too to like sanitize the Steve Bannon saying, uh, but anyway, yeah, watching, watching them try to do this rhetoric. It's was so pathetic and offensive at the same time. I didn't quite know where to land with my emotional response. Yeah. I don't, I think it's been, I think it, it, it's been really, really interesting just to sort of hear like even sort of from the left, like the things that folks, I guess are maybe like, you know, learning or talking about and reference the conflict. Like people, you know, a lot of leftists I've heard sort of talk about like almost sort of being frustrated, you know, or like like not necessarily surprised at like the content or the material from the convoy, but more so being frustrated by like how well organized they are. Um, and I think that what I find really interesting about that, and I even think that there, I mean, there has been a lot of, um, uh, sort of pushback on social media, but you know, I think recently somebody on Twitter maybe made a joke about like you know making assumptions about like a lack of formal education from those who like are participating in the convoy, and he sort of made a joke about like a grad party or something. Um, and a lot of folks pushed back and were like, "Hey, this is actually like offensive," and to like you know like from the left, like to to make assumptions about these folks like education and to somehow correlate those two things is like offensive and also just inaccurate. Um, But I think that, you know, when it comes to like the piece around them, around sort of these like alt-right or like far-right movements being so well-organized, I think that often leftists, I think that we, we can sometimes have this tendency to sort of talk about the, the right wing, you know, movements, particularly those who are really uninformed as just like, totally inept but Mm -hmm. what we've seen by the from this is like they're not they're not inept they're actually very skilled um like public relations people they're very even if they're not maybe not like consciously aware of how skilled they are at it like they are really skilled um in a lot of things and i think to to talk about them as if they're not is um is i mean it's like a mistake from like an organized perspective um but it's also just like not true um and so 
Yeah, I think that that's I think that that's I want to put a little bit of pressure on that, though, because like I've been involved in the past in a few like protests that have happened and a couple of things. None of them have ever had anywhere near the money that this that the convoy Mm. had Um, and the people who would attend did not even have like the money in their own wallets that these people would have had. Um, They didn't. Uh, I've never been in a protest that had just like the resources in terms of trucks. Like there's always like that moment in the, in the protest where you're like, okay, who's got a truck who can bring the PA system down. And everybody's like, well, I don't think I can fit it on my bike. And these guys had, (laughs) these guys had like, you know, trucks that were specifically for haulage. So they were set up. The other thing that would happen is you would get these people who would come to, you know, organizing, you know, these lefty protests and they would say, you know, it'd be great is if we could like set up a stage and if we can have some dancing, we could really activate the crowd with, you know, like a light show and a DJ. And it's like, well, okay. But then you start going through the whole process of getting permits yeah. and talking to the police. Right. And it turns out that all of that is really expensive. And there's a lot of bureaucracy that you have to go through. And Wow, if you just ignore all of that and just decide to like, you know, put up your own damn stage wherever the hell you want and just right. like build yeah. out buildings in a park without like getting any permits for that, damn, it's so much easier and cheaper. No, and I, no, and I, no I, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I I, th- I don't think that I was being critical enough about, you know, but and and I, I think part of that too is obviously just like, you know, and we saw it from like the like you know, cops not tearing down their shit immediately. And this, and I think we like, what I find really interesting is just like the discussion that you're hearing that you were hearing from different policing agencies about like, well, we didn't want to, you know, like heighten the the tension. We didn't want to like, you know, cause more conflict. We were trying to like deescalate. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like is, so it sounds to me like you're scared and from my experience of like seeing what police say is that when you're scared, you just like shoot people. So not, not to Mm. say that, not to say that I'm like, you should have like, of course not. Like nobody should ever experience violence at the hands of police, but like, it just, and I don't know, like it just continue. The hypocrisy continues to baffle me around, like, around like, how can you, if you had enormous swaths of like left wing or like left leaning, whatever you know indigenous folks queer and trans folks like folks of color women whatever doing the same kind of i don't even know if like i guess white women could probably get away with it but like you know in in those communities or in those places like doing this you know just like putting up stages and like hot tubs and like whatever uh yeah it would have gotten torn down immediately Well, I think I should also say that we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau speaking with Jack Brasseur about... uh, Intern Brasseur. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about the convoy um, that just ended, sort of. I like I, I honestly think that the cops were on side. I think there's enough evidence to suggest that... um, A, there were a lot of police who were very sympathetic to the message of the convoy. And so they weren't inclined to shut this protest down. And then I think the whole issue with uh, now former chief of police in Ottawa, slowly being a black man uh, and not the, the, his officers did not have his back in this. I think there's a lot of evidence of that as well, that he had made some, some very, very reasonable and light comments about 
systemic racism being an issue in policing. <clears throat> and he, early on in his term as the chief of police and the the line officers completely turned on him. And I think uh, I think there was a crisis at all levels here that yeah. that played out. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think that like, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive. I guess like I, 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 I do believe uh, I'm confident and we saw photos or videos of like individual police officers, even, and, and like a large number of individual police officers, like support, like, high-fiving, hugging, supporting, taking photos with whatever folks who are part of convoys. But do you think that, like, at an institutional level, like, the people around, like, you know, the 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 police commissioner board, like, who, I don't know, whoever, like, the police chief, like, sort of the people who are calling the shots, do you think that, like, at their core, they were on side, too? Or do you think it's a situation where, like, you know, even if you're not on side, if every, if, if, if all the people doing the frontline work are, then, like, good luck? I think, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, when you phrase it that way, I start to question my conviction about the cops being on side with this. But like I like like I do, obviously, even institutionally, like policing is like a white supremacist institution. It is like a patriarchal institution, a homophobic, like all of those things. But like, do I believe that the institution of like the 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 law enforcement agency responsible for for like, quote unquote, protecting the government uh, do I believe that they were on the side of the thousands of people who were trying to overthrow the government? No. Yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know. Because they've definitely demonstrated an aptitude and a willingness and, a, you know, a relish for uh, cracking skulls when it's like white hockey fans who are rioting yeah. on White Avenue. Like yeah. the police will not hesitate to shut down a hockey riot. They, they 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 spread that relish on that white supremacist hot dog is what you're saying. Yes. <sighs> the only hot dog I don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hot dog of white supremacy. Otherwise, yeah. I like a hot dog, but not yeah. that kind. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do think I do think this is a good thing that's going to come out of the emergency order. Uh, because the invocation of the Emergency Act means that there's necessarily going to be an inquiry when this is all done. And it's an inquiry that's going to look not just at, you know, the policing on the day or the implementation of the, uh, the emergency order, but it looks at all of the all of the stuff that led up to and necessitated the invocation of the act. So the, the policing in Ottawa is going to be looked at. Um, the behavior of the line officers is going to be looked at. Um, and I'm hoping that it will extend to the behavior of, you know, Premier Ford, who was also just completely absent on this. I think, I think one thing you're, you're, for, you're not taking into account is that a lot of people are sending uh, letters to the governor general. You mean emails? Uh, emails yeah. to, to the governor general with attachments uh, you know, saying, uh, telling the governor general to rescind the emergency measures act, because apparently, apparently That's the governor works. general just can like go to like the laws and like acts. And like, there's like a, a like a, a checkbox they can toggle like on or off and just go in and toggle it off and no more emergency measures act. I don't know. I, I never, even even when it comes to like the emergencies act like and i think there there's there's a lot of folks like 
on Twitter and on different social media accounts, like leftists, just, you know, being like, we like, why aren't the police doing more? Or like, why isn't the government? And I'm just like, I understand why that's maybe the first instinct that we have, but like, I am never stoked on the government suppressing speech or like, or, or, you know, like, like the idea of like protests. And, and here's my thing is like, I guess right. I'm worried that right. Mm-hmm. Like after an inquiry, whatever it is, whatever the findings of that inquiry are, or if we see an increase in even like sort of, you know, neoliberal or like neo-progressive folks, supporting like you know an extension of power to police or like more power whatever it is though like the 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 consequences of that are going to impact leftist movements more than they will ever impact right-wing movements and i i honestly think that part of the point of these kinds of frankly psyopsish like moves you know funded by you know, by out of like by foreign interests is to dissolve trust in, in government and yeah. reinforce its authoritarian structures. Uh, and that's exactly, and like what you're saying is exactly right. By invoking the Emergency Measures Act and by flexing government authority, it will end up impacting those, like th- those on the left more in the long run, I think, than those on the right, which is just fine yeah, with the people who are know- doing this. Well, I, like I, I, I think I, I agree with you, sort of theoretically. However, um, the police haven't been exactly, you know, holding back when it comes to shutting down leftist protests in this country ever. Like right. you think, you think about what happened with the APEC protests, with the G20 in Toronto, um, with you know, homeless the homelessness camp in yeah. Toronto. When when your premier, your mayor. And your police are like happy to do the job of policing. They they'll they'll pull out the trump the truncheons but, right, but and it, the tear gas quite happily. This this the policing that we saw around this is how policing should happen with protest. Like that was the most measured, most careful uh, implementation of a uh, of you know of a dispersal of a protest i've ever seen uh it was so peaceful so respectful so polite as far as policing can be done if this is the way that protests are broken up in future bravo then well and that's, and that's sort of where thing. i'm at it's just like why are we like yeah of course i didn't want you know and 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 i'm thoughtful that like this perspective is coming from someone who is like not in downtown Ottawa or who is not, you know, who's not been like had my sleep disrupted for weeks at a time. So I recognize that. But at the same time, I'm just like, like even, you know, I, and I don't know if it's a perfect parallel, but like we saw, you know, in Alberta uh, um, when, when Jason Kenney enacted like that bill around infrastructure, like blocking infrastructure and how you could like be like thrown in jail. Like it was so right. And it was specifically around pipelines. That's what it was for. It was for pipelines. And I'm like, but this border crossing has been like breaking that piece of legislation. Like people have been, Mm -hmm. and, and, and why? So, so my fear, I guess, is like, we're going to see maybe new legislation or like new, you know, new measures put in place. And they are not going to be enforced when it comes to the reason why they were, you know, or the motivation, you know, that led us there. But they are going to be implemented against left wing movements or spaces. And then the conversation is going to no longer be you can't, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. They're going to be like, well, it's the law. 
Uh, I think, too, this is one of the reasons why we didn't see a big immediate counter protest against the convoy, because uh, if there was any kind of conflict, if there was any kind of, you know, uh, headbutting between two sides, uh, a, a counter protest and a protest, uh, the counter protest would immediately be branded Antifa. And they would be the ones who would end up taking the, the brunt of the violence from the police and the ones who ended up in jail. And we're even seeing that where there were some small uh, counter protests that tried to block roads in Edmonton to stop the convoy from coming in right. there. They and arrested. they were arrested uh, recently. I think it was outside Peterborough. Somebody I can't remember where it was. Somebody was arrested for standing in a crosswalk and trying to stop a truck from coming yeah. into his town and the truck hit him. And he was yelled at and assaulted by truckers. And he was the one who ended up getting arrested for mischief. So, yeah, it's not, it's, it, none, none of it's. I'm just a little worried that that sounds like Jacques might not respect the institution of internship. With, with that anti-authoritarian attitude. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that, that you, that you're willing to like respect like the sacred institution of internship. Um, I'm not, but I, um, well, we, don't, we don't have anybody else. So that's all right. Yeah, it's perfect. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, no, cops won't save us. Cops will not save us from like, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that it's appropriate. I, like I'm, you know, I've, I've sort of taken a cue from folks online, sort of challenging the use of the word occupation. So I, I don't want to use that language because I haven't, you know, done enough work on that, but like the cops won't save us from a group of like right wing, you know, far right wing activists trying to overthrow the government. They're not going to save us. And and why are we, why, why do we want them to? That is the worst solution. They're just, uh, what I, what I discovered is is that there are people on the left who are just as smug and self-serving as people on the right. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, that I noticed real quick, Um, but I don't blame I certainly don't blame anybody for that reaction because watching watching these befuddled people, you know, face off against cops in Ottawa going, hey, why aren't you helping us? What's going on? Like just sounding like uber Canadian about it all was was kind of funny. That's true. That fair enough. Fair. Enough. I think and, that there is some humor that we can find in that. You know, and and uh, the other thing, um, speaking on a purely sort of human to human level with, with some of the uh, the uh, not occupiers, not protesters, uh, nuisances, terror, whatever you want to call them, um, was that like in any with this movement, you have sort of a small core of you have like a, like the white supremacist steering committee, but then you have this large buffer of people who are not in touch with that message, but have been moved by parts of it to come along and may not even be able to articulate exactly why they're there, but they but they they want to be there. They're, uh, but you could hear when the cops were just sort of gently moving them back, you could hear this like sheer confusion and like people saying, why aren't you, why aren't you on our side? Like we're, we're here for freedom. And I'm like, what are you even taught? What freedom, what freedom are you not being able to exercise? They don't know, or they think they know, but I, 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 they, they don't like being inconvenienced or they don't like having right. the same heartaches in life that, that all of us have to have. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hey, but, uh, we've gone way over time. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to have to like segue us directly to the innovative revenue tools. Mm-hmm. 
the Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. And we're here with Jack Brasseur. Hello. Hey. So uh, next item on the agenda is uh, there have been things happening at City Hall, believe it or not. Uh, was there a convoy? Uh, I wish. I wish. Because then maybe the convoy would have shut things down. And none of this nonsense would have happened. No, uh, I've, so, been, I've been napping a lot for the last couple of weeks. So I'd like it if, if the intern could uh, just bring out the binder of research. Extensive. I don't know. I'm trying to. I try to like make a paper sound effect, and I don't know. Uh, no, I great foley work. I, I, heard, I heard the paper. So that was great. Yeah, that's actually what we have the intern for foley work. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that we didn't talk about at our last meeting, because this is actually kind of old news now, is uh, there was a big surprise meeting of city council, and it was this thing where. Sunday, this this report popped up on the uh, city's website saying there will be a special meeting on Monday, and there was no report to go with it. That was the report, that line basically, and it will be so. It had something to do with resources, long term long term resources, and so this report appeared, and I actually started getting emails from people saying, "Do you know what this meeting is about?" And I was like, "I, I know as much as you do," and everybody was confused. So. There were like tons of people who tuned in to find out what the surprise meeting was. This was actually, you know, just strategically in future, if council wants to get people to turn out for something, they're worried about engagement. Perfect way. Yeah. Not telling them what it, what's going yeah. on, just making it, making it cryptic. People will show up. So the meeting starts and the very first thing that happens in the meeting is Mayor Masters moves the whole meeting in camera. And then the screen goes blank. The, uh, the city of Regina coat of arms comes up and the hold music starts. They're like, they have this like meeting music that they play when you're waiting between uh, segments of the meeting. I'm there and everybody's like sitting there staring at this, the city of Regina coat of arms, wondering what's going on in private at city council. And that goes on for an hour. And then the meeting starts up again and they then vote on a motion to fire city manager, Chris Holden. And that was the first anybody like there, there, some people had an inkling that it might be something like this, mm-hmm. some kind of human resources thing. But uh, yeah, that it was like the firing of Chris Holden was uh, a big surprise. So it was like a thrilling start to a city council week that uh, Chris Holden does, w- was gone. And it was like pretty much effective immediately. Yeah. And so they then put uh, chief city clerk, city clerk, uh, Jim Nickel became acting city manager and uh, Amber Ackerman was moved up into the position of acting city clerk. So um, yeah, big shakeup at city hall and um, yeah, the, the official response, the official explanation from mayor masters was that the city is going in a new direction. It's not you, Chris, it's us. That Which is just like, okay. Like just like there has to be something you're hiding. We're getting this secondhand. Chris hasn't made, as far as I know, he hasn't made like a a press statement, but he did have a conversation with the mayor. It was mutually decided, according to the mayor, that um, the city is going in a different direction with things like the transformation office that's coming out of the efficiency review. Uh, The idea being that, you know, it's probably time for some new leadership to bring that in, especially since 
uh, Chris Holden's uh, contract is up in like 18 months, like just under two mm-hmm. years. And it was widely expected that he would retire at the end of that contract. And so there was, it is possible that the official story is the true story that it just was a good time for Chris to step aside and bring in some leadership that would, uh, yeah. And that would, that would bring in stuff like the transformation office. Sorry, go on. There's obviously a lot of other pieces to it. Um, and like, you can't say like, but it's still just like, I don't know. It, it feels like bold stuff. They, they couldn't have like written a script to make something seem sketchy. That was more convincing, more convincingly (laughs) sketchy than what they did. Than what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Any theories, Aiden, about why Chris was gone? Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Uh, theory number one. Uh, Holden was a Russian plant, and they were getting a, a, and city council got wise. To, Wait, to like, his... he, like he was like a Russian spy, or he was like yeah. a Russian like plant, like a, like, like, like a hibiscus or something? Well, I, I was going to go with that, but I couldn't think of any Russian plants off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm like, right, like a Russian ficus. Uh, what do I know? Uh, okay. So no, he's a Russian spy. Uh, okay. That's, the, that's my theory. He might have actually been like, uh, like a clone of, of, of like Brezhnev or something. <laughs> like decanted from, from, like a, from like a big lab in Vladivostok. And yeah, he would have world. to shave down his eyebrows every day. My second theory is that everybody else is a Russian plant. And Holden was the only good guy in the in the whole like city admin and council. I think and that they, was even more likely. And they, they dragged him down. They they dragged him they dragged him to filth, as they say, and kicked him out. The third theory, and this is the last theory, I didn't even finish writing it down. Um, so I only have a few words to go on. Um, it's about transparency, which is the selling point of uh, Windows, therefore window makers, and Saran wrap, therefore you know, companies like Glad and maybe Unilever, I don't, I don't even know, or like DuPont, Dow. Uh, so yeah, you, you start dragging in names of big corporations and things get pretty sketchy pretty quickly. That, that's a, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. So I think, I think that theory speaks for itself. Yeah. Because clearly when you look at Chris Holden, he's very opaque. Like he's made of like flesh. Yeah, I can't cannot see, see through him. No. So obviously... The big transparency was trying to like, you know, get rid of them so they could like get somebody in maybe like a perspex sculpture of a person. Okay. Well, we are on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau talking with Jack Brassour about City Hall stuff, like uh, the firing of city manager uh, Chris Holden. Um, we've, been, we've been talking a bunch about transparency, which is good. Because Councillor LeBlanc is all about transparency these days. Wait a minute. Did you say his name was LeBlanc? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I didn't even catch that. That is hilarious. Seems a little convenient. Speaking of conflicts of interest. (laughs) Yeah. He had brought he, he brought a motion forward. It was the uh, transparent decision-making motion. And, yeah, the... The notice of motion came weeks ago. It was like, uh, I think it might have been in January. It could have even been in December, but I'm pretty sure it was in January. And the sort of key part, the the be it resolved of it is one, 
commit to more transparent decision-making, including fewer secret meetings. <clears throat> and then two was direct uh, a, pr- a new process for executive committee uh, that would basically mean that instead of executive committee meetings currently, the clerk's office decides which items are going to be in private session in camera. And uh, at the end of the executive committee meeting, they go in, they discuss it. And then twice a year, there are reports to list off which items had a period in camera. And usually it's things like human resources, uh, some purchasing, real estate, things that have to be kept secret for business reasons or whatever. Um, The system that LeBlanc was suggesting would be uh, everything would be assumed to be in public and there would be a list of recommended items to go in camera and council would vote at that executive committee meeting whether or not to hold those items in camera. And then if they did, they would go in camera and cover them or they would do them at the public session. So uh, the idea being that it would give like people would at least get to see like a list of what it is the council is discussing in private session. Although, you know, the clerk pointed out there could be situations where even that much information is too much information uh, based on our privacy laws. So um, this got voted down. And I like personally, I have some issues with this motion. And I'm not 100% sure what what the problem was that LeBlanc was trying to solve. Um, He they voted on it in two separate parts. So they voted on the first part and that failed uh, five votes for six votes against the second vote, second part, exactly the same. And it was the same counselors. So the counselors who voted in favor were uh, LeBlanc, obviously Stevens is a kidneyac Stadnichuk, And I'm blanking on who the, the other counselor. Fendura. No, Fendura voted against Stevens. Hawkins. Yes. Thank you. It was Hawkins. He voted for both. Yep. Two, the two wild cards, I call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hawkins, uh, like Hawkins and LeBlanc are lawyers and they both spoke about the importance of this and how it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's a learning opportunity for the public. So I wanted to play like a little clip here because this is like right from the end of the discussion. It's, uh, Councillor LeBlanc closing discussion. So there, there's already been a whole bunch of people talking mm-hmm. and it was already pretty clear that counselors like Shaw and Bershani had no interest in uh, passing this. Masters as well had no interest in passing this. So this is uh, Councillor LeBlanc's final explanation and then a little bit of what happened after that. Councillor LeBlanc, I believe that's council. Please close off debate. Mr. Nichols spoke about that judicious and sparing way in which he uses the power to make a matter private rather than public. I don't doubt that. I think the point is it's about principle, which is that only elected people should be making the decision of what to shield from public eyes. So my view is judicious though he is as a non-elected person, Mr. Nickel or whomever is in the deputy clerk role ought not to be performing that task. That's on us as elected individuals. Okay, a second comment that came up in relation to Mayor Master's questioning is that members of council as non-specialists might not be able to understand what matters ought to be private and what ought to be public. That is, we may well discuss too many things in public. I think that concern is unfounded for two reasons. The first is, We still benefit from administration's recommendations, as we do in many areas. We don't have many planners, but we make planning decisions based on what administration tells us. 
The second is if we want to take a strictly sort of trade-based specialist perspective to this, is we have more lawyers on council than we do on ELT. And so if we're speaking privacy legislation, I just don't think that holds water. Third, Mr. Nickel had noted uh, that a portion of Schedule A to our procedural bylaw contemplates council moving from private into public and said that stood for the proposition that clearly then executive committee can move into private and that supports not supporting this position. Direct members of council to sub one of schedule A, which says all meetings of standing and special committees of the council shall be held openly and no person is to be excluded. Then sub two carves out exceptions. In that way, that closely parallels sub 14.1 and 2 of our bylaw. Same thing. These are presumptively open. If we want to close them, that's for council to do so. What I say to that is Schedule A does not support the proposition that the clerk or other administration get to decide what is private and what is public. That is not inherent in the idea of setting an agenda. Finally, I've heard some concern from colleagues that uh, the motion includes some suggestion that we've acted improperly over past years, and that, of course, would apply to me over the past 14 months. I'm not trying to place blame, but it's not good enough for us to say we've been transparent enough. The point is, can we become more transparent without risking serious harm to the organization? And I say yes, and we do that through this motion. So to alleviate that concern of Councillor Mazzinelli, what I'm recommending and suggesting to the clerk, or rather directing, if I may, is that we vote on resolutions one and two of this separately. So the first, indicating council will commit to more transparent decision-making, including fewer secret meetings. I think that is the one that's attracting the concern of, are we saying we've acted improperly in the past? I would like to vote that separately from the going forward one, laying out the, I think what Councillor Hawkins rightly said, is the quite modest procedural uh, confirmation or codification of what our procedure by law already says. So I would make that request to vote on one and two separately and look for support on both of those. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor LeBlanc. Council, what's before you is the motion separated out into two points. Mayor Master's point of order. Thank you. So can we, I, I don't see the benefit in, in breaking it out. I think we should just vote on the motion itself as it's written. Okay, then given your dissension, we'll call a vote on separating out the motion into points one and two into two separate votes. Um, just give us a minute here. I'm going to need city clerk to get something ready. And I guess I, I, I just the point is that it's the one is threaded through two. Um, the comment is privately discussed constantly throughout the. So I'll just I'll leave it there. I think we vote on the whole thing. Thank you, Masters. I I have a point of order with respect to that. Please go ahead, order. Councillor LeBlanc. And that is under twenty one sub two sub a of our procedure bylaw that. Uh, indicates that where a motion contains two or more propositions, I say this does. And when a member so requires, I say I'm that member 
then council shall vote on each proposition separately. So the point of order I'm suggesting is this is not subject to a vote. It is by the bylaw subject to vote and the two separate propositions. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor LeBlanc. One moment, please. Okay, Councillor Bresciani. Uh, City Clerk has checked the, um, the clause that uh, Councillor LeBlanc is referring to and he can separate it out. And to that end, what we are voting on we're just we're just getting it loaded, guys. So, Mayor Masters, then I'll I'll allow it, then I'll 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 withdraw that. But at my point was in in all of the pieces that are threaded through A, B, and C, like B, it's it's there's a common thread of secrecy, and that is not it hidden from the public. That is not what we were doing. So that kind of goes back to that transparent and secret meetings. I was trying to Mayor Masters, point of order, this is not a point of order Councillor Bresciani is making. Councillor LeBlanc. Councillor Bresciani, you can make your point with your vote. If you disagree with what's before you in terms of language or otherwise, then vote accordingly. Thank you. Uh, him knowing procedure, just like, uh, actually love that. Like I was so stoked on that. That was awesome. Like I, he didn't win the motion. The motion didn't pass, but him being like, uh, subsection, uh, I am that member. I'm just like, Dan, kill it. That was like, I felt like I was at like a rough riders game. Like I was just like, go, go, go. Um, Because you guys know how much I love procedure. Yeah. Yeah, I I pulled that clip thinking of you. That's the most excitement I've seen in a while. I'm I'm just, I'm like, we we were looking at the, at the, at the footage there. And I'm just mostly amazed that uh, Councilor LeBlanc looks like he should be in like an 80s electropop band, like singing about science. That is, that is really impressive to me. Like he he could be doing like a Thomas Dolby cover band right now or something. That'd be awesome. Yeah. He's also he's very big on the collarless uh, button-up shirts, and sometimes mm-hmm. he, and he's got those round glasses. Yeah. Sometimes he comes in looking like you know a uh, a, a doctor from a, an old timey western. <laughs> yeah, just uh, that is a very apt description <laughs> of of like his of his his aesthetic for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You don't see points of order on points of order very often. And uh, yeah, and it's things are starting to seem like a little passive aggressive and to the (laughs) point of being like, you know, almost uncivil in the way that uh, there are there are two sides on issues and uh, they're they're not pulling out any they're not pulling any procedural punches in council anymore. So you're just like, like, you think that what we just listened to was uncivil? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Actually. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Paul. Um, I think that passive aggressiveness is just sort of like a part of being on any type of board. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of being passive aggressive in board meetings when people are, uh, are, are being somewhat incompetent, such yeah. as not knowing procedures. Well, and this is what I'm more used to, right? Is if somebody tries to do X and then 
somebody else on council raises a point of order, then the original person is like, oh, my God, there's been a point of order. There's nothing I can do now. It was it, the points of order used to be like the Stampsies, no races of city council. Okay. But now they've got two lawyers on council who can like duel with points of order. So it's uh, it's pretty thrilling. Yeah, except for Bresciani isn't a lawyer. No, but I mean, sometimes Hawkins will like jump in right. and like do something that similar. would be awesome. Like I would get popcorn. I'd be like, who's going to win? Hawkins order. Hawkins v. Uh, v. LeBlanc. Yeah, yeah. it's going to come. It's going to happen. I at some point I'm thinking maybe around the density motion that uh, Hawkins and LeBlanc will be on opposite sides Mm -hmm. and we'll get to see like, you know, a lawyer duel. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I would pay money for that. Well, but you don't have to, it's all free. (laughs) Uh, But listen, let's talk about some revenue tools. Cause uh, pay-per-view for the Hawkins versus LeBlanc. Yeah. I'll pay pay for it. Yeah. I pay for it. Um, procedural smackdown (laughs) exactly yeah so that was awesome um so you do we understand the transparency motion like why did dan offer a lot or is he just like i just think we can do better about this i've been thinking about this for a while and like here's a here's a solution maybe to a concern that we're not being transparent enough like do you think anything caught like motivated him to do this other than just I'm officially to the point where I think I actually have to speak to Dan LeBlanc to find out what was going through the guy's head. Cause I'm not, I'm still not hundred percent sure. Uh, my own concern as far as transparency is uh, was with last year where we had uh, private briefing meetings where uh, you know, there was like the special workshop where they made des- the decision about how, um, how uh, council meetings would be held and that delegations wouldn't be allowed at ex- uh, would only be allowed at executive committee. Uh, there was also the discussion of the wellness and com- like the community wellness plan was taken into a private session. There were a few questions asked about it that started to sound like interesting. And then the mayor moved it into a private session where all of council asked their questions then, and then it came back for a very quick vote. Um, so there've been, a f- and I've also heard rumblings that there have been private briefings of some groups who've had meetings with council in non like non-essential like non-mandatory meetings but uh where council has been briefed by special interests so So for me those are the concerning meetings because there is no procedure to sort of like to to log that these happen whereas the stuff leblanc was talking about was the executive committee and camera sessions which there is a whole procedure around already so there's no procedure for like a city councilor having to keep track of special interest, like of, of non-constituent meetings. If you can, if you're an organization, apparently, yeah. and I'm just learning this and I don't know the details, but if you ask to like, you know, oh, I've got this report that I'd like, you know, to present to council and so they can ask questions. And so it'd be an information briefing session. So you can have those and those those just are not, it's not that they're secret per se, it's that they're not in public session. So they're not announced, they're not on a calendar. Which means that the, press the public there. can't, so if somebody in, if an organization in one of those meetings provides inaccurate information, there's no accountability for like other people to be like, that was actually wrong. Yes. However, uh, no decisions can be made outside of a public session. So presumably if that report or that information session then turned around and wound up at council as part of 
Like if it if it influenced the de- a decision at council, okay, but there would but then know, be that opportunity to address whatever misinformation council. But we know about. that that kind of con like those kinds of discussions influence individual counselors. Whether right. and that's not- why that's why I think that's why I'm confused by this motion from LeBlanc because right. I would think these these other sessions that we know have been going on. I would I would think yeah. that that would be something you would want to address more than these in-camera sessions where we know that they're happening and we know what the content is. So, yeah. 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 Like, like, I remember, you know, when I was doing some work around, like, the conversion therapy ban, um, yeah. uh, like, sorry, con- uh, business bylaw. It wasn't a ban. It was yeah. a ban on the business practice, not yeah. on the practice entirely. Um, you just can't get paid for it. Um, but, and I remember hearing from a counselor who I had reached out to, to talk about sort of like LGBT, you know, perspectives on it. They had told me that there was, that another city counselor had arranged a meeting between a bunch of counselors and like evangelical groups. Right. And I remember thinking, I think that that needs to be public like that needs to be reported somewhere it's like here are all of the like when you think about any type of like lobbyist right like in in other levels of government if if a senator like you know if like a senator or like an mp like has met with a group there's some record of that somewhere in in my opinion i think that it would I, i would also be interested to hear from dan because i think that you know similar to you paul i'm just like and i don't even know if that it's it's these like information briefings i think it's like if you are a not, not a constituent. Like if you're not just like someone who lives in, who lives in a counselor's yep. ward and you're, you know, but you're going there with this particular interest, particularly like a non-individual interest, whether it's a business, a nonprofit, anything, there should be record of what's, of who city counselors meet with. Yep. And, and I, I mean, I think that maybe that right now is so hard because city, like city counselors are part-time, right? So it's like the, the likelihood of being able to manage that type of reporting and like that, I mean, that's immense for, for somebody who's working part-time, but if, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that's inappropriate and, and I didn't realize that none of that stuff was made public. Yeah. As far as I know, it isn't, although I suspect it's the kind of thing that you could ask for, but you have to know that it's happening to know that you need to ask for it. Anyways, uh, we are way over time again. Sorry. So on that note, we should totally, uh, we should totally move to adjourn. All right. Well, I second that motion. Point of order? I'm kidding. We we don't we don't need your actual knowledge of like the rules of order mm. to like to like do what we want. Right. I think, yeah. Cool. Anyway, don't stomp on our freedom, Jack. <laughs> that's right. Don't tread on us because this meeting is now adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau, ninety one point three FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. Uh, yeah, we are broadcast 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursdays and rebroadcast Monday afternoons 3 to 4 p.m. You can find us on Twitter at Queen City IB and our website, queencityib.com, and of course, cjtr.ca slash podcasts, as well as the radio, as you already know. Coming up next, we got the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by more stuff than music all on through the night. Keep on improving, Regina.